0: Hello, and welcome to Theme Park Sandbox, the show where we use our imaginations to pitch the most ambitious theme park attractions you've never heard of. My name is Aaron. My name's Drew. And today's pitch is actually not really so much an attraction as an idea of what the Disney Imagineering team could do if. And Drew, what is that big ol' if? (laughs) <laughs> the if would be,
1: what would the Imagineering team do in the event that annual pass holders no longer existed? And what we mean by that is, well, obviously, everybody knows, at least on the West Coast, there's been a lot of chat uh, happening over the past couple of weeks about Magic Keys and annual passes. And it made me kind of think, like, you know, what do annual passes and annual pass holders um, how, how do they change the experience for Imagineers? Like, is it more difficult to design attractions? Is it easier? Um, you know, what are considered sacred and is that even something that they take into
0: account when they're designing an attraction? And is the sacredness uh is that based on the audience or is that just based on what the Imagineers hold near and dear? I've thought about this a little bit being from California but moving to the East Coast and enjoying all of what Disney World has to offer. And how the environment around annual passes is actually quite different. But Drew, the first thing that I wanted to get into is kind of what happened with all of the Anaheim keys and like <laughs> when they started being called keys and all of that, all of that stuff that was all the post-pandemic entry into Disneyland.
1: Right. Um, so the it's funny, first of all, that we have to call it magic keys instead of annual passports because, yeah. you know. It really makes it that much different by calling it something different, right? But uh, anyway, basically what I've, I just, so you guys know, I have had a pass, an annual pass uh, every year since I was seven years old. I know that sounds crazy, but my uncle, that was like, you know, everyone's got that one, you know, single uncle that's kind of rich and he's got money to blow on the nephew, right? So uh, he actually bought me an annual pass five years later and you've had one every year. <laughs> that's right. That's amazing. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> are you saying that I'm f- I'm five years old? <laughs>
0: I was saying that you're 12, but... Uh... Uh, oh, that's right. Yeah, math. <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> anyways, so just, just so you guys have context, I've had a pass for every single year since I was seven. And it was kind of, you know, the pandemic was an opportunity for Disney to kind of change the name and change everything, right? It was kind of like setting the, the restart button. But so when they came back, they came back as these things called magic keys. And the magic keys were the keys to the kingdom, right? Like keys to the park. And it's really been interesting to watch the past couple weeks because they got sued. <laughs> Disney. Yeah. Yeah, they had a a big class action lawsuit that I think is still on, you know going, but they got sued and basically they couldn't sell the top pass anymore, which was called the Dream Key, which is of course the key that I had. And so what they've been doing is it seems like they've been kind of I don't know it seems kind of like things have been A little bit messy on their planning side, and 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 they had no, they didn't tell anybody whether the magic keys were going to be renewable. You still can't buy a new magic key, which is crazy. So the only way you can get an annual pass right now is to renew. And I did that last week uh, because my pass expires in two days, Um, and it took me four hours in the virtual queue on the first day in order to renew my pass, and that is just like absolutely crazy considering every single year since i've been seven it's been pretty easy you just show up there's never been any sort of scarcity um annual pass holders on the west coast are are huge i think there's the figures somewhat like over a million pass holders um so anyway i I was able to renew which is weird because now i have two magic keys right now i've got my dream key which has yet to expire and then i have my new inspire key which is kind of like the new top tier uh, but man, it was so so messy. I'm glad that you don't have to do that, Aaron. Like it's it's really sucky.
0: Yeah the the fact that there was a queue and a process and scarcity and all of that. I mean, it's 2022, Disney. I also want to bring up that uh, a lot of people were, I think, rightfully up in arms over the commentary in their last quarterly earnings call, where they talked about the unfavorable mix of uh you know, of guests in the park and referencing the fact that annual pass holders made up that unfavorable mix. I actually am in a similar boat to you. I can't get a pass to Disney World unless I am renewing. And I also renewed somewhat recently. I clicked a button on a website and it took about five seconds. Ugh. It just said, "Do you want to? Do you want to renew?" And I said, "Yeah." And, and I selected the one that I wanted to renew, and that was fine. That was that, and it just keeps pulling the same form of payment, and it was all good. But man, uh, I mean, the way that the the way that the two parks, or I guess the two resorts, treat annual passes is just so different. We even call them different things here, and they make just as little sense, I would argue. But because you all have so many more annual pass holders that visit the parks on a daily basis than Disney World. Uh, I, th- I think that you all have uh, a much bigger pull, a much bigger influence. Over the decisions made by the Disney executives, certainly by Imagineering, and I, I think that's what we're going to get into.
1: Yeah, and like it gets to a point where you say, like, how much pain are you willing to take? <laughs>
0: what, exactly. What's the
1: pain threshold? Yeah. Uh, for, for an annual pass to be able to go right, like, and same thing with Imagineers. Like, does Disney really want pass holders? I'm sure they do, as far as revenue, but it definitely sparked a conversation between you and me talking about how the decisions that have been made in the past. And I mean, a good example of that is, um, tower of terror, uh, imagineering made an announcement with Joe Rody, and they said, Hey, we're taking out tower of terror. We're going to put in this new ride called guardians of the galaxy mission breakout. And the, the, the community went nuts. Like everybody, there was like four petitions, <laughs> which yeah. is, yeah, Yeah. Hilarious because, you know, I I don't think a petition's ever worked on Disney, if I'm honest, but it ended up being great. Right. Everybody loves Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout. It's an improvement on every metric. It totally is. Uh, The ride got better. It did. And so that's kind of the conversation that we want to have now, Aaron. I don't since you guys have less pass holders over on the East Coast, like what is a pass holder there as far as like, you know, how often do you go to the park? Um, you know, are they there for food? Or are they there for rides? Is there a more popular park on the East Coast? And like, what's the? How do I put this? What's the level of entitlement that pass holders have over there? Because the, the entitlement is pretty high <laughs> over on the West well,
0: Coast. I, and I definitely remember. Uh, so I I think entitlements is a great place to start. And I actually want to start with the what not of the how entitled but of what are those entitlements that Disney is giving us um you know, the the pass that i have is the sorcerer pass uh it is not a go I love every these single names, day by the of the way. oh yeah the sorcerer <laughs> we have Increda pass sorcerer pass pirate pass and pixie dust pass they could not make any less sense it's like there's no thematic there's no thematic element to them they don't indicate like is a pirate greater than a sorcerer or is a uh just the prefix increda <laughs> like uh, makes no sense at all uh yeah. like there's just no consistency whatsoever so yeah i had to look up because i had no idea i have the sorcerer pass it's the second to best pass it's basically go any day of the year except for about the last two weeks of uh, of December and pick it back up after January 1st. So that's where I'm at. What I get with that is the four dry theme parks uh, and then an option to add in things like the two water parks. Uh, there's some other opportunities for some pass holders to go to uh for free any time of the year to the couple of mini golf courses. There's a full uh 18-hole golf course. Um there's a lot of discounts on, you know, the normal stuff, the discounts on dining, the um the discounts on uh other experiences, the free parking, all that good stuff. So that all comes with it, but basically what I'm getting and what I use frequently is access into the four theme parks and uh, free parking. That's really what it comes down to, the occasional discount on merchandise as well. How people feel, how people use them here, I think is ultimately very similar. I think it's just in a smaller population. You know, people go after work. People go to Epcot all the time just to eat, just to drink around the world, just to like meet up for an afternoon. Um, there used to even be a thing where it was a, a annual pass for access only to Epcot only after 4 p.m., it used to be a thing like that is definitely a popular item amongst locals. Yeah, I was going to say it, that's actually pretty cool.
1: If they did something like that here, I would probably buy that pass.
0: It's awesome. Yeah. So, uh, you know, in in the way that so many awesome things that are uh, affordable and interesting that went the way of the Dodo. So that is no longer available. I don't think it's been available for years, to be honest. Um But yeah, I, I think people people come kind of with that, that sort of I'm going to go and Burn some, you know, blow off some steam, burn some calories, hang out with some friends, catch up, do some stuff. Uh, maybe see a new thing, a new development in the park. I think probably in the same way that a lot of folks in uh, in Anaheim certainly do, and uh, and then you have of course the active community of vloggers and people that are keeping people uh, mm-hmm. updated through social media on all the developments and so forth, and and we've got those in droves as well huge active community of uh of, of those socialites but um I, I wouldn't say that it's all that different i think really it just comes down to the proportion and uh and and maybe there's a degree of the weather kind of like weeding out some of the uh would otherwise be interested po- folks that would go to anaheim all the time and uh and the humidity just gets to you here it, it that's punches a good you right in the gut
1: that's a good point. Yeah. yeah, because I I do watch a lot of vloggers on YouTube over on the East Coast and the the second they see a cloud that's a little dark, they just head right. out immediately,
0: right? And it's so many months of the year that otherwise is like, you know, that it's beautiful in SoCal and it's not quite as beautiful in Orlando, so that's three, four months worth of content that's going down the tubes. Or if, if you're just a casual uh, local visitor, it's like, oh, I don't wanna spend the money and really only get six to eight months worth of entry where it's comfortable and enjoyable. I would rather spend my time indoors somewhere else.
1: Right, and because of that, that also throws kind of a, a new challenge for Imagineering too. And it's the question is, well, the the weather's not that great like it is in California. How do we Mm -hmm. adapt attractions that people do like on the West Coast if we're going to bring them over to the East Coast? How do we make them indoors? Uh, Like the thought process is totally different, I would imagine, um, or at least I would hope so, um, for when you're designing an attraction. Like you can't have a roller coaster that's outside necessarily. And maybe that's why we got Cosmic Rewind instead of something else, because Cosmic Rewind can run year round, whether it's raining or
0: it's not. Even with the Tron, uh, the Tron roller coaster coming up, it has that big old canopy over top of it. Right. They probably would still close it due to lightning, but not due to rain. Mm -hmm. And yeah, there's definitely a different sensibility about building queues and building indoor spaces that can house people, that can just absorb people when it gets really rainy and the streets basically get emptied. And like, you got to put all those people somewhere. Yeah. You can't just be hunched under you know, an overhang or under like a, you know, an umbrella or something. You need space to put people. <laughs> yeah, so it's, that is definitely a consideration.
1: It's really eerie, actually. The first time I went to Florida and I experienced like a really heavy <laughs> rainstorm in the theme parks, it was pretty funny. Like it goes from super crowded to absolutely empty. And it's the weirdest thing to experience. But uh, anyway, yeah. So luckily, we don't have that problem. Here on the West Coast. Um, okay, well, good to know that your guys' pass holders are fairly similar. Um, I still think that the West Coast people seem to be pretty entitled because there's just something about Disneyland. Like you, you don't. It's in the middle of Anaheim. You don't have to drive ten miles through Disney property in order to get mm-hmm. to it. Um, and so, what ends up happening is people just kind of go after work just casually. And so this Magic Key debacle has been just really interesting to watch because I think legitimately people go so often that if they couldn't go into the park whenever, it would literally change their lives, which is a crazy, crazy thing to think about. But there are some really diehard West Coast people that probably go four or five times a week, which is kind of crazy to me. But you know I love theme parks, but that, that's that's excessive. I just don't, you know,
0: it is a lot. Yeah. I, I will say, I think one of the, one of the others, maybe missteps, I don't know, I'm, history will tell, but the requirement, uh, and persistent requirement of reservations yeah. has also made that kind of like daily visitor, uh, take kind of pause. And I know for, for myself, I have coworkers, I have friends that aren't really in the theme park community. Like I am like you are, but they are much more interested in. In spending half as much money and being able to go to Universal and ride arguably more thrilling attractions and not have to tell Universal before they're showing up. Right. And that brings it back
1: around to the whole worth it thing for the Magic Keys, right? Yeah. Like, I remember Is I, it I think, worth it? I think you sent me a, a meme that someone had made where they added up all of the prices of the max, like highest passes in California that you can get, including SeaWorld, mm-hmm. Universal, Knott's Berry Farm. Six flags, like all of them, totally topped out, added yep. all together, still wasn't as expensive as my sixteen hundred dollar inspire key for one park where you have to do reservations that's crazy, right, so yeah, insane, it, you know anyway, if that gives you an an idea of how crazy the magic keys are um it, it's It almost makes me wonder if if Disney is trying to price people out or trying to limit the amount of passes because the unfavorable, (laughs) like you just said, Um, Mm -hmm. but it also like I think of it to affecting just the normal day guest experience, right? Like Magic E holders and annual pass holders, they do bring in a lot of revenue and they you know, they spend money, but they don't I don't think they spend nearly as much money as someone who's maybe just a regular day guest. And then because Definitely. of them, because of them, Disney has also come, have to come out with these like really weird creative things to to get people to go where they want them to. And that would include like Genie Plus and Lightning mm-hmm. Lane. You would almost argue mm-hmm. that Genie Plus and Lightning Lane are there specifically to try to kind of even the playing field between regular day guests who don't have a Ph.D., you know, in annual pass holder, (laughs) you know, navigation of the parks. So I don't know. What do you think about that? Like, it's it's got to be right.
0: Well, yeah, I I would like to unravel the unfavorability statement a little bit, because really what Disney is saying is what you mentioned, a normal annual pass guest is going to spend less in a day because they have all of the rest of the year than someone who's out for a say few day vacation, four or five day vacation that they're doing only then because they got to go back home to wherever else they live out of state, maybe Mm -hmm. just out of the area. Um, That is a big difference of like, I got to get in my merchandise purchases. I got to experience all of the food and beverage items that I've been thinking about for the last year, plus maybe two years, maybe three years, however long that gap was. And So if you are Disney and you're saying, I want the guest who spends the most money per day. And if it was all just that type of guest, there would also be a lot fewer people there, meaning more people are enjoying more attractions in their single day. It's like upping Mm -hmm. the value. It's upping. It's like they're not off base about it. They're just really bad at describing Uh, (laughs) such a loyal community of people and you know it's like it's just they put their foot in their mouth uh that's that's kind of really where it where it boils down is that they are really ostracizing that community i just did a little bit of math here just i'm looking up uh what tickets would cost and you could probably get away with buying i don't know almost two weeks worth of tickets maybe my math is off here almost two weeks worth of Two day park hopper tickets to Disneyland before you got to the point of matching your investment in a in an annual pass magic key i'm I'm not right. going to get over saying annual pass <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's okay um, so I guess the question that i 'm going to ask you and i mean don 't think about it too hard, if you had you know all the infinity stones in your gauntlet and you had the ability mm-hmm. to poof make all annual pass holders disappear. From a creative standpoint, would you do it?
0: Yeah, I mean, I I think that I would really be interested in that idea. I really would want to create attractions and create experiences for people who are able to enjoy them not every day, but every year. I think part of the experience of visiting a theme park is that wonder and that uh, that shine of it being novel and not of being like no different than the. Afternoon coffee shop or the evening gathering at a brewery, I think that it being unique and exciting and like really have some spectacle to it. I think that has a lot of draw Mm -hmm. and that makes that makes me as a creator really excited about making those experiences over the top, like absolutely insane over the top. You will not forget this and you will be buzzing about this for the next 12, 24, 36 months until you get to come back again and you can't wait to come back again. Yeah, that is a little bit of a different approach than making something for a guest who's going to be visiting every three days, five days, seven days, maybe two weeks, maybe every month, maybe a few times a year, but it feels like it's a little bit less of a spectacle and more like a oh we already paid for this thing we might as well get some value out of it yeah
1: no i i agree with you i don't like the idea of things being kind of sacred or untouchable or you know changing my decisions based on a very very small group of people who just happen to like that thing but on the other side money generated for those attractions I mean over on the West Coast, Magic Key holders are a big chunk. Even if they're not spending money in the park, just the the pure every person paying an average between what 700 and 1600 for their passes and there's a million of them, right? So I I understand why there needs to be a balance, but I definitely I wish that people would just let Disney tell their stories and let the Imagineers do their thing because so far all the decisions that have been made haven't been bad. And like the, the ones that come to mind are obviously, like I said, Guardians of the Galaxy, Mission Breakout. Everyone fought tooth and nail, and they thought, how how could you possibly touch Tower of Terror? How dare you, <laughs> right? And then they ended up doing it anyway, even with an Imagineer that didn't really seem like he was super stoked about it. Like Joe Rohde seemed pretty outwardly opinionated about how he did not love this project, and Quite frankly, I don't think he would have been the Imagineer that that I would have picked for that project. But regardless, the experience is still great. The attraction is awesome. And quite frankly, like we have Tower of Terror on the East Coast, so <laughs> as long as they don't get rid of
0: both, yeah, it is something you could experience somewhere. I've I've
1: been lucky enough to experience um the one in Tokyo, and then the one in East Coast, and you know the one in the West Coast. So um the second thing that comes to mind is uh Pixar Pier. I don't hate Pixar Pier. Do I love it? Not, not really. I think it's kind of unfinished and it, d- it has a bit of an identity crisis. I'm not sure if it even knows what it is besides just a place that has Pixar literally painted all over it. But Incredicoaster versus California Screamin', they added a little bit of story. They, they have little screens in the queue that kind of explain why it's a roller coaster and why it's Incredibles themed. And I'm okay with that. I think it's pretty good. D- will it age poorly? maybe maybe so th- that's one of those things like adding ip i mean this is a whole other conversation but adding ip can be a double-edged sword right
0: yeah well i think pixar Pier is a good example of that because people just feel overly ip right uh with all of that expansion i think maybe a, a slight difference between east and west coast in terms of the sacredness of rights and attractions and lands and so forth there's just a whole lot more room to work in. Yeah, in that's Florida. true. So like I was thinking of Galaxy's Edge and, um, you know, there there was a significant portion of Hollywood Studios that was uh, that was demoed. But uh, the big attraction that people were like, you know, huffing over about losing was like Lights, Motors, Actions. I mean, uh, that was that was one thing. I don't think you ever got to... Did you get to experience that in person? Yeah, the passholder side of me is
1: going to come out right now and be mad at Imagineers for putting in Galaxy's Edge instead of Lights, Motors, Actions, because that show is amazing, okay? And end of rant.
0: It, it is awesome. It is absolutely <laughs> awesome. But there wasn't like a big community of people really like getting too upset or or bummed out over that when they could fly the Millennium Falcon instead.
1: Totally. And, I, you know, we're both car guys. If you guys don't know us personally... Aaron and I are huge car guys. So for me, the the burning rubber and doing burnouts and doing, you know, stunts with cars is awesome. And I would much prefer that, especially because we, like I said, we have Galaxy's Edge on the West Coast. But uh, I see mm-hmm. your point. Not very many people care about that.
0: Well, and, and then right next door to Galaxy's Edge is the Toy Story Land. And that was just an expansion plot. You know, they just were able to build more stuff. So I think yeah. that is like a big difference is that you don't necessarily have to tear something down to put something back up. Uh, Avengers Campus, that was that was a tear down and rebuild. Right. And that's a good point. Pandora, the world of Avatar, that was just an expansion plot. That was supposed to be something else uh, like um, in the OOG version of Animal Kingdom, and it didn't really come to fruition. So they just waited until they had something good to put there, and then they got Avatar rights and they... They did something great. Yeah, I love that land. There isn't the same kind of backlash because there isn't the same kind of like pave over paradise and put up a parking lot mentality because we got a lot of paradise to work with. And by paradise, I mean a lot of stinky swamp. <laughs> we have a lot of stinky swamp to turn into something cool. Right. The the most perfect example that always comes to mind, if you haven't been to both theme parks uh it it happens almost immediately upon entry to any of the East Coast lands, resorts. The idea that parking is cheaper to go horizontal than vertical.
1: Yeah, that is so crazy to me.
0: That's that's the automatic signal that like, oh, okay, they've got space here. It is cheaper to go horizontal in parking than vertical in parking. Great, I got it. I, I know what I'm in for. And then everything sort of follows suit.
1: Right, and, and like <laughs> to even... To hammer that even further um the new lower tier passes that disney has come out with um the names of them i have right here we've got the enchant key pass and the believe key pass just to get give you an idea of how strapped for space the west coast parks are um, if you get one of these annual passes they're going to give you 25 percent off of standard theme park parking but it's at the toy story parking lot which is not one of the structures that you would normally park at. That's, that's how (laughs) strapped for space they are. So they make you park and then take a bus in from the other side of the garden walk in Anaheim. That's, that's how defined they have to be with the space that is allotted for the Disneyland resort here in Anaheim. It's crazy.
0: Yeah. I will give you one other uh, perfect example of, of difference in terms of cost in terms of, uh, I mean, this is just like where they want to put people disney springs free to park all day every day show up park enjoy shop drink leave no problem thanks for coming downtown (laughs) disney not that how's it feel over there yeah no, not that very different vibe
1: yeah and what's crazy too city walk same thing right right that's true yeah you get you But what's even crazier is I have this $1,600 pass that comes with free parking, but only on my days where I
0: have reservations. Oh, the dreaded reservation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah,
1: we're back to the reservation again. Oh, well, what are you yeah. going to do?
0: Yeah, but I mean, so so you as a, a local who has invested heavily into this pass, you can't just go enjoy uh, downtown Disney on a whim for, for without paying for parking. That's, that's really what what bugs me about that just small microcosm of value.
1: Back to the whole Imagineering affecting uh, customer experience and, and kind of the immersive nature too. We didn't even talk about, I'm, I'm glad you brought up Avengers Campus. That was another one that I probably should have thought of. Mm-hmm. I, like I, I so rarely went into Bugsland anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I forget that that was Bugsland. We didn't even talk about shows, right? Like shows is a big thing on the East Coast right now. And mm-hmm. um, what's the new show? um harmonious 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 yes yes
0: the new epcot show harmonious which is okay it's (laughs) pretty good it's pretty good it is better than the uh magic kingdom fireworks show the new one for sure
1: right and that's kind of like um that's kind of the opposite of what we're talking about right where it's like they redid a show that was perfectly good simply because it was old and ended up making something that is not as good. Right. So yes, I, I mean, like I said, there is a double-edged sword to this. Um, I, I do think that that show is pretty incredible considering the tech behind it and everything. But yeah, a lot of people just don't get those feels um, that you do with a with a normal Disney show. But um, yeah, I'm glad that Imagineering gets those opportunities though to to have those failures, and this kind of goes back to our Star Tours episode. If you guys haven't watched that, make sure you watch our Star Tours episode. That was you know back in the day when you can see our beautiful faces. But um, <laughs> I I ended up pitching in the Stone Ages. That's right. I ended up pitching a ride that was a black box ride, and it essentially used the Star Tours mechanism, the ride mechanism, and it gave you know junior Imagineers or or maybe less experienced Imagineers, the ability to create a rotating ride. And then every year or every six months, they'd rotate it out for something different, right? Like, I think that's really important. And I think that is something that Disney is really scared to do. Um, and I wish they would do it more often. I want more rotating shows. I want them to try more. And I want the annual passholder community to kind of appreciate those changes a little bit more when they make them rather than putting up a stink. because. They can't get better if we're constantly, you know, yelling at them for changing things that we like. You got to try something new.
0: And that's an interesting point because if you're coming every 2 to 3 years, if you're, you know, the normal family traveling from out of state, you can't really rely on some type of show or attraction or event that happens only for a 6-month window. That might not be enough time to plan for a trip like that. So, right. doing something on a rotating basis, really does directly benefit those local frequenters of the parks. That's really what that is all about. Totally. You know, things like the difference difference between our haunted mansions, I think, is an absolutely perfect example. You know, when Halloween Christmas rolls around and you all get Jack Skellington to join your party, Mm -hmm. we are business as usual. There is absolutely no change because if you haven't been to the parks in half a decade, And suddenly, instead of writing the Haunted Mansion, you're writing uh, the Nightmare Before Christmas overlay like that. That might sting a little bit. Right. But there's nothing earned in helping out those locals who already are going to write it and be fine with it. And that's that. But something about Anaheim and something about those that like community of of loyal park attendees who are going to go there and want something new and want something fresh and have it be Sort of, I mean, now it's like clockwork, you know, the Mm -hmm. right season rolls around and you know what overlay overlay is, is ready to go. You know, what changes are going to happen.
1: Right, right. And that's a very good point. And I don't want anyone listening to think that, you know, I'm, I am definitely a pass holder. Like I am, (laughs) I am there probably once at minimum once a week, you know, going, um, you know, we also have a, a food Instagram theme park lunchbox. Make sure to check that out, too. But so I'm there all the time. And I will say pass holders are not all bad pass pass holders that go you know, every once in a while. They're there to just enjoy and have fun. Those are the pass holders that I really like. Uh, I think, you know. Those are the ones that probably spend money because they're going a little bit less frequently. It's going to be interesting to see what Disney does with these with passes next year. I think they kind of did a knee jerk reaction and said, ah, we don't know what we're going to do. So just kind of give them the same thing that we had before, but maybe a little bit different. Right. But I mm-hmm. think a lot of people were expecting a huge change and they actually kind of made the passes a little bit like the 25 percent off parking. That's huge for all the lower tier passes. Yeah. So they they almost made it more accessible yeah. in a way. Um, and I'm wondering if it's because Dream Key holders spend less money per visit than the lower tier passes spend per visit. So no one's, you know, it's all speculation. No one actually knows that number. I'm saying we don't know that number. Disney 100% knows that number.
0: Yeah, I, I was going to say Disney and Data are like peanut butter and jelly. And I don't think that that Disney gets a lot of credit for being such a like data driven decision making organization. They get flack for being money hungry and that they are in this third quarter earnings where they talked about the unfavorable mix of audience uh, at the parks. They exceeded their financial goals by a billion dollars, a B billion dollars. That's true. And that's the last quarter. They made 78 billion. That's with things not going their way. They exceeded their goals so dramatically. Imagine if things did. Imagine if things like really were perfectly lined up for them to just be the money-making monstrosity that they really hoped to be. Boy, wouldn't you think that such a profitable company could update Tomorrowland? Right. (laughs) (laughs) And,
1: And that is a perfect place to close that is the perfect yeah. <laughs> statement. <laughs> so let's put it back out to our, our listeners here. So guys, if you have the ability to be an Imagineer, and like I said, you had that Thanos gauntlet with all the Infinity Stones, everything is at your will, what would you do? Would you get rid of passes? Would you change passes? Would you make it easier? Would you make it harder? Um, do annual pass holders actually affect Uh, the experiences that we have in the parks like things like we said like genie plus or or lightning lane and uh if there weren't any pass holders what would the park look like
0: so let us know um if you're watching this on youtube make sure to leave a comment down below check out the theme park sandbox instagram uh that might be the only way moving forward to see our wonderful faces that's true so like yeah we're 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 creating that synthetic scarcity just like our uh, our corporate overlords now. So uh And then
1: if uh, if your tummy's growling, make sure to also check out Theme Park Lunchbox. Um uh, we've got Theme Park Lunchbox and Theme Park Lunchbox East. Um I'm uploading a lot of food reviews uh for those of you who also don't know us, Aaron and I are big food people. We love spending big money foodies. on food. So check us out there, but other than that, Aaron it's been great chatting with you. For the next year, I'm just gonna enjoy my Magic Key. I might, you know, tally the amount of times I go and the amount of hours just to calculate it out there and see go. how much it cost.
0: Yeah, <laughs> uh, it would actually be kind of funny to see like what did we spend per hour? That's enjoying that's our exactly
1: parks. what I wanted to calculate. <laughs> so we'll follow up uh, in a year and let you guys know at the end. Yes. Up being.
0: Well, Drew. Until next time, um, we'll catch you in the next show. And uh, everyone out there, we'll see you next time. See you guys. Bye.